Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Conversation. I am your sometimes host, Francesca Fiorentini. I hope you're doing very, very well. I'm really excited for today's show. We've got two awesome guests. My first guest is a Democratic strategist, former vice president of GLAAD, LGBTQ rights leader, founder of ZS Strategies, because his name is Zeke Stokes. Zeke, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. It's great to see you. Yeah, so this has been a really interesting moment for LGBTQ rights. Obviously, now with a Democratic president in the White House reversing some of the awful slash and burn policies of the Trump administration, but also in a couple of ways with new representatives, specifically Marjorie Taylor Greene, essentially trolling the daughter of Marie, Representative Marie Newman. Um, and having like sign wars outside of their offices. Uh, you have Senator Rand Paul um, grilling a, a, a nominee of the Biden administration, the Assistant Secretary of Health, who is trans, saying things like genital mutilation and just kind of going off on, on, on them. And, and then you have um, the Equality Act, right? So this expansion of the Civil Rights Act, preventing discrimination based on sexuality and gender identity. All of this together, mm -hmm. where where do you feel like we're at when it comes to this movement, when it comes to expanding rights for the LGBTQ community, given everything that's going on? I know all in all in the span of eight or 10 days, yeah. right? <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, so you know, it was a great day um, for the Equality Act to once again pass the U.S. House of Representatives under the leadership of Speaker Pelosi uh, and the Democrats in charge there. You know, it passed back in 2019, but of course we still had Mitch McConnell in charge of the U.S. Senate, who would not allow it to come up for a vote. The uh, Equality Act would essentially provide explicit and um, and uh, consistent non-discrimination protections across the country in areas like employment, uh, housing, mm -hmm. um, jury service, uh, public uh, services and accommodations, all of those types of things. Because what we have right now really is a patchwork of protection. So, you know, I may be protected uh, when I try to go get rent an apartment in New York City. But if I go across state lines to some other state, I may not be protected. And and that, and that may be through no fault of my own. I may get transferred by, through, by my job and suddenly I'm not protected. So we need those, those protections to be explicit across the country. Now, the good news is that 90% of Americans believe that LGBTQ people should be treated fairly under the law. And in fact, more than 70% support the explicit protections that the Equality Act provides. And that's not just Democrats and independents, more than 70% of Republicans also support that. So what we're looking at right now, as it relates to the Equality Act, is a vote that's gonna hopefully take place in the Senate sooner rather than later with Speaker, I'm sorry, with Majority Leader Schumer saying that he will bring it to the floor for a vote. But unfortunately, we've got this nasty thing called the filibuster in the way. So we're gonna need to get to 60 votes on this over in the Senate. Once and it's again. gonna be very tough because Republicans in the Senate really aren't listening to what Americans are saying as it relates to this Equality Act. Yeah. I know one of the sticking points for Republicans somehow, and this has sort of been, you know, as 
Christian nationalism essentially has crept um, into government and into the Republican Party. One of the things they're using kind of as a cudgel is this idea of religious liberty, you know, that county clerks or bakers, you know, don't have to, basically places of employment don't have to provide the equal protections or serve LGBTQ people equally. Um, and some of senators are on board with that notion. Um, what would this act do to that religious liberty? All those religious liberty um, sort of, I, I believe that there's like a, an amendment or an act that like the Trump administration basically warped in the favor of of essentially people who want to discriminate against gay people. What is this? What would this act mean for that? So this act does nothing to compromise religious liberty in this country. It's embedded into our constitution and providing equal protections for LGBTQ people does nothing to change that. Mm-hmm. But there is a group of people led mostly by Republicans who want to insert these amendments that would somehow create these carve outs so that all I have to say to discriminate against someone is that it's a part of my deeply held religious beliefs. And it goes so much deeper than serving my husband and me a piece of cake or, 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 or sitting down in a restaurant. What if I'm What if I'm in a small rural town and I need to take my child to the emergency room and it's the only emergency room in town? Uh, and it's the middle of the night, and the doctor says, "No, it's against my religiously held, my, my deeply held religious beliefs to serve your kid because you're same-sex parents." That's the kind of danger that LGBTQ people are in across yeah. this country, and that's why we need this Equality Act. These so-called religious liberty carve-outs, religious exemptions—they're really more nothing more than a license to discriminate by people who want to discriminate in the first place. And it also assumes that. LGBTQ people can't also be religious people. There are many, many LGBTQ yeah. people of faith, yeah. um, and, and and so you know they they like to they like to raise this sort of fake issue of God versus gay, but it's not that. Um, it's really just a question of whether or not we should be treating all of God's children, if if you believe that way, the same under the law. Amen. You brought up God. <laughs> Absolutely. Amen. I believe in that. <laughs> I, I think it's so interesting though that and 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 I guess one wondering your thoughts on this, that especially when it comes to trans rights, it just seems like the right has used like transgender people and transgender Americans as just like their final culture war battle. I mean, you know, again with Representative Marie Newman and then with Rand Paul, just like that disgusting display. Like why do you feel like they're still using, you know, attacks on the LGBTQ community in their court and like what is it going to take to finally dismantle that? The right wing that you know honestly controls the Republican Party right now, they can't win elections without without attacking some marginalized community. You know, we saw it with Donald Trump over the last four years, whether it's women or people of color or immigrants or Muslims or people with disabilities. You know, they've sort of been through the whole list, and every every few years they 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 pick a new community to target. You know, at one point it was it was gay people. You know, we were going to have a a federal marriage amendment to stop gay people from getting married. And then when the when the tide turned among Americans on that, they moved on to the next thing. The truth of the matter is when it comes to trans people, only about 20% of people in this country say they know someone. 
someone personally who is trans. And so we have a lot of education to do uh, among the American public about what it means to be trans. You know, when you juxtapose that uh, to folks who say they know someone who is openly gay or lesbian, that number is is 80% plus. And when you know someone personally, that's what changes public opinion. And so they're depending on this, this lack of education, this lack of familiarity to demonize trans people. But trans people are in our lives every day, whether you know it or not. Um, they're here, they're here to stay. Uh, and, and in fact, you know, these attacks that were launched by Rand Paul and Marjorie Taylor Greene and others this week um, are, are based in misinformation and lies and, and, and myths about what it means to be trans um, and really not in the medical science um, of, of, of uh, that has been you know, established uh, for many years about how to treat trans people uh, and, and, and what it means to be transgender uh, in this country. So it's unfortunate, but I think the tide will eventually turn and they'll move on to some other, uh, some other community to villainize. <laughs> but in the meantime, uh, people's lives are at risk when you have this kind of rhetoric in the public space. You know, We saw it uh, on display January 6th, uh, and this is just a, a microcosm of that. When you, when you raise this type of rhetoric, it puts people's lives in danger and it has to stop. Absolutely. What are your thoughts on whether this will pass the Senate um, or not? Do you think that there could be 10 Republicans on board or do you think it has to basically, I mean, are we gonna have to abolish a filibuster to have such a basic protection for so many Americans? Well, I think we need to abolish the filibuster regardless. <laughs> it's standing in the way of so many things. I'm hopeful that we can get to 60 in the Senate. Um, it's gonna be very tough, I will say. And I think there will be efforts to sort of water this down and create uh, these religious carve outs. And I'm hopeful that the Democrats uh, in the majority and fair-minded Republicans uh, who are looking at this and 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 claim they care about LGBTQ people will resist those efforts uh, mm -hmm. and will and will allow this to move forward uh, and provide the kinds of uh, protections that LGBTQ people need in this country. You know, we provide those protections for race and disability uh, and gender and lots of other things, but LGBTQ people are not explicitly protected, and most Americans actually think we are, and the fact yeah. is, we're not. Yeah. One last question. Do you, I mean, I thought that the Supreme Court, I was reading about this, that the Supreme Court ruled that gender identity and sexual orientation, those are protected when it comes to anti discrimination laws. And yet we still need this extra layer. Can you talk about that or, or how does that interplay? Sure, there was a ruling at the Supreme Court last year actually in the Bostock case that ruled that Title VII of the Civil Rights Act should be interpreted, sex discrimination should be interpreted to mean sexual orientation and gender identity. And of course, the new Biden administration has now directed federal agencies to interpret that even further. But what we need now is not to depend on the interpretation of the Supreme Court or a friendly administration. We need to codify it into law and that's what the Equality Act would do. Absolutely. Zeke Stokes, thank you so much for breaking this down for us. It's something we have to continue to fight for and follow. And oh my gosh, it's the year 2021. Let's just, let's do it. Let's move on, right? Thank let's you move. so much for, for talking about it and, and, and educating your viewers. Of course, thank you and be well. You too. Hey, welcome back to the conversation. I'm Francesca Fiorentini and my next guest is doing something really awesome that I think is giving me life right now, given that everything is terrible. Um, but he is a New York City teacher and the CEO of Creating for Justice. Please welcome Taylor Masamitsu. Taylor, 
Um, when I read about Creating for Justice, I was immediately excited and went to the website. But just tell the audience, what, what is Creating for Justice? So Creating for Justice is this network of activists and other professionals who use their individual skill sets to combat systemic racism. And, and how do you do that? Because you have a really innovative, and I say that in the least techie way possible, but a really like people to people innovative way of doing that, of, of actually, um, yeah, of doing what you just said. So how does your website work? How does it work? So our at, at Creating for Justice or CFJ, we recognize that donating is in and of itself a privilege. Um, but that doesn't just include monetary donations, that also includes volunteering, donating your time. So the way that it works is every single person at CFJ is a volunteer. I'm a volunteer, board of directors are volunteers, everyone is a volunteer. Um, but we have this amazing team of volunteers who provide services. And each volunteer has then selected an organization, another anti-racist organization to benefit from their services. And just to give you a little bit of uh, the scope or the breadth of it all, we have everything from tax help to voice lessons to ergonomic health, nutrition counseling, and English and Spanish. We got a bunch of stuff. Definitely check it out at creatingforjustice.org slash services. But then let's say you wanted to take a voice lesson with me and mm -hmm. you gave us a buck. That buck then goes to the Okra Project because that's, one of, that's my organization that I've chosen. And in turn, I will give you a 30 minute voice lesson. Wow. And so it, it's sort of donation only. And, and, and like, who, who do you imagine is, first of all, who are, who's volunteering? And on the, other, on, on the other side, who is soliciting the services? Who wants to take a 30 minute voice lesson with you for a dollar? Like, who are you hoping to reach? Uh, so right now, the people who are providing services are all vetted, established professionals in their respective fields. Um, we are in six different states and three different time zones. So we have a pretty diverse group, at least geographically. Um, and the people that we're hoping to get to take advantage of our services are people who are maybe interested in trying a new skill or people who may not want to spend 50 plus dollars on a voice lesson or mm -hmm. a graphic design help or uh, tax planning. Yeah. So anyone really. Anyone, we are open. We believe that fighting systemic racism is an all hands on deck situation. And we welcome anyone to get involved in the fight. Mm -hmm. And so essentially, if whatever you're paid for the lesson, whatever the provider is paid, that will then immediately go. You're donating your time and that all that money or whatever is being paid is going to an organization of your choice. And what kinds of organizations? Um, I know that actually this project came out of the you know Black Lives Matter um, resurgent movement of last year. It's a fairly new thing. Can maybe talk about sort of the origin of it. Sure, I, I'd love to. Um, so last summer, like you said, there were these really necessary revitalized calls for social justice in the US and around the world. Um, and it was on Breonna Taylor's birthday that my husband and I went to a vigil. And we came home and we just got stuck on this one question. Um, that has sort of become the guiding principle of CFJ. And that's what talents do you have that can set people free? Mm. And like I said, I'm a voice teacher, but he's a financial advisor. Um, and so we have pretty disparate fields. And CFJ really came to be in trying to figure out how we could both sustainably work towards 
uh, fighting oppression and fighting systemic racism um, for the rest of our lives. Yeah. Right, in a way that can also utilize your unique skills, which might not necessarily be in organizing a rally or taking to the streets, although important, but um, but yet providing skills and maybe some of the people who are actually taking the you know need needing the skills are organizers themselves. Um, yes. and people who are generally I you know not able to access financial services right or or tax services. Sure, and I think to your point. Uh, we also have a bunch of volunteers who just help us with administration. Um, and at CFJ, like I said, we're here for anyone. We're a home for any single person who wants to get involved. If you have 10 hours a week or one hour total, I'd love to hear from you. And actually right now we are looking for two volunteers. We're looking for someone specifically to help out with our social media. And we're looking for someone to really take the helm of Amplify, which is our monthly anti-racist resource guide. That's awesome. All right, everyone, everyone, you've been warned. Um, also, uh, there is, I was like looking on the site and there's breastfeeding classes. I was like, wow, that's amazing. There's just everything. In English that, and Spanish. It's amazing. I mean, it, it, it does really feel to me, and I maybe this is not the intention, but it feels incredibly radical as someone who has a huge critique of capitalism, a huge critique of the way um, that we are commodified, right? And all of our skills, and now you need, you know, endless amounts of training and endless, you know, degrees to just barely make it by, especially in a creative field. This is a real way of democratizing the creative field. Um, and kind of like skirting around a little bit of a capitalist economy. Does that does that factor in at all to how you think of CFJ? A hundred percent. Like you said at the very beginning, I'm a teacher. That is my trade, uh, and I have. I mean, I love going to school. I that's just part of me. Uh, <laughs> but I've been to a lot of school, and I I really do believe that education should be available. And as a music teacher, I think music education, quality music education should be available to anyone who wants it. I'm not gonna force you to learn how to sing, but I would love to help you learn how to sing if that's something that's interesting to you. Um, So that is this idea of accessible education and doing whatever we can to make it more accessible is absolutely one of our founding principles. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and then the same idea with just bartering, right? I mean, I think, right. The idea that you can, um, yeah, like even bank. I mean, you could see it getting getting to the point where you can like bank points and like you know then get barter your lessons or et cetera, exchange things. Um, anyway, how what kinds of organizations are are you donating to? Uh, I know it's obviously social justice and racial justice primarily. Uh, and how do those organizations get in touch with you? Well, right now, all of our volunteers have chosen organizations that their services um, fund. So we haven't been approached by any of these organizations, but rather we've just donated to them. But some of them, uh, just off the top of my head, are the Ochre Project, the Transgender District, the Black Trans Advocacy Coalition, Black Lives Matter, the NAACP, Fuel the People, Black Men Heal, Mirror Memoirs, the Austin Justice Coalition. There are a bunch. Damn. That's amazing. No, and I think the other thing that is, you know, because often I think about a graphic designer like sort of tertiating the donation is like, well, why not just help the organization? But a voice coach, you know, not every (laughs) racial justice organization necessarily needs a voice coach, or I do stand up comedy, I could probably help with someone's writing or stand up presentation. 
you don't really need that if you're, you know, the okra project necessarily. <laughs> right. So it's a nice way to, you know, I think even center and monetize in a most beautiful way, like creative fields like like ours in in some ways. Absolutely, and I think it's a way to incentivize people who do have a little extra cash or a little extra time to get involved where they otherwise might not. Yeah. What about therapy? That's actually something that we are really interested in offering. <laughs> okay. We have it actually been one of the most commonly requested services. Yeah. Um, so that is if you are a therapist and have some know-how about how to logistically pull that off in this virtual national sphere, I'd love to hear from you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I was my mind went there because therapy it's like always like a sliding scale and then even when you access a lot of these things um it's still like the waiting the wait time is incredibly long. Um mm-hmm. so I love that this is a workaround. Um it's funny cuz like usually these things always feel like oh we're sort of like plugging a hole that the government should have done, you know, and that like mm-hmm. you know something we've ignored for way too long, but this is like this actually feels like much more people based and less sort of nonprofit based because it is really about person to person skill sharing. I love that kind of stuff. Um, is there anything else you wanted to add? And 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 how actually just how many people, how many volunteers do you guys have at this point? Right now we have 15 volunteers who uh, provide services, but the entire team is about 25 volunteers. And like I said, we're in six different states and three different time zones. And you can take classes on Zoom. Uh, Taylor Masamitsu, Creating for Justice is the name of the organization. And it's creatingforjustice.org? Yes, it is. Um, Get there, browse the services, sign up, become a volunteer yourself if you do have the time. I love this. And thank you so much for stopping by and telling us all about it. Thank you so much for having me.